Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to day two. Day two. Janet, Nell, Pam, welcome. Welcome to day two. 21 days of prayer and fasting. I don't know about you. Let me just tell you, day number one of fasting, yeah, there, that's enough said. Just get through that day. That's, there, yes, yes, the other 20 are easy. Just get through that first day. I'm happy you're here. This is the second day, 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is how this devotion began in late 2019 with 21 days of prayer we did it for 21 days, meeting 21 days straight. That's what we'll do this time at 7 o'clock. And great things happen. Just miraculous things happen. And I believe it's going to happen again today. Hey, Vaughn, good to see you. Sterling, good to see each of you. I, I just believe we're looking forward to a great day. Urgent. Altar repair required. And I... I think this is a good day to repair some altars. And as I look through the lens of whatever lens you choose to look at our world, this is a world that needs prayer and fasting. And we've come today and for 21 days straight to pray, to fast, to form a new habit. So this Tuesday, January the 4th, this is our second of 21 days. I'm so happy you're here. I went back yesterday and looked at some of your comments. Just encourage you to join with us on various platforms and however you're viewing this. We're just a group of people who decide to do life together and that we're a lot better together than we are separately. We come from a lot of churches, a lot of backgrounds, but we just find strength encouraging one another and praying for one another's needs. So don't lurk out in the shadows. Dive into the deep end of the pool. Identify yourself and uh, encourage one another, and I, I want you to be a part of this. Share with someone, <clears throat> start a watch party, subscribe, follow. We are basing this loosely on the book, The 21 Days of Prayer. And uh, this book can be found several places, bookonprayer.com, thebookonprayer.com, Amazon, print, digital, or you can hear me read the book, Audible, and the Pentecostal Publishing House, the Second devotion to the book and involves our voices, using our voices. First devotion, we saw God as the walking voice in the garden. And today's devotion anticipates us reciprocating and giving God back our voice. Do you know the heavens will hush just to hear the voice of one of the children of God? He can pick your voice out like a parent. He can hear your distress cry. Yes. Yes, and we need to lift up our voices today. Urgent, altar repair, required. Yeah, so Colin Zane, Susan, thank you for being a part. I don't know what it is. Have you, we say it all the time. Hey, everything's great. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. I think in the South, we say it a lot more than everybody else. Maybe others just tell you how you re- they really feel. But down here, everything's fine fine when actually it's not fine maybe we're miserable we're hurt we're disappointed we're discouraged sad angry 
But we always say everything's fine, everything's fine, when we're not fine at all. It's like that proverbial seesaw, you know, the job is up, the marriage is down, the marriage is up, job prospects not good, economy up, spirituality down, economy down, spirituality up. It's just this seesaw, health is up, happiness down, health down, happiness up. It's a seesaw that we're on. They never... We never see that balance. We never see everything leveled out. And finally, the seesaw breaks. Nothing is up and everything fails. How's that for an encouraging word on the opening of the morning? But we admit then that everything's not okay in our lives. Yes, and that's when change comes. Brenda, that's when it happens. Martha, that's when it happens. Douglas, that's when it happens. When we admit everything's not fine. We're not sleeping at nights. We're struggling with habits. We're holding on to things we should give up. We know we need to lay hold on things that we just find just nearly unattainable. And that's why we're here. Just a bunch of flesh questing after the spirit. And we're going to be changed. And we're going to see it happen. And it's going to happen when we repair our altars. Amen. Amen. Outside, everything may be looking good in King Ahab and Queen Jezebel's Israel. I don't know. Everybody was prosperous. There was chicken in every pot and everything looked fine. But trouble came. Trouble came in the form of a man. Ahab said of that one man, Elijah, you are the one that troubles all of Israel. One translation says you're the troubler of Israel. He was a proverbial stick in the mud. He called an end to uh, let the good times roll and the superficial good times. And he pointed at the heavens and said, cease. And we know the heavens reign on the just and unjust, the appreciative and unappreciative. But now Elijah calls for the heavens to close and the blessings stop. The pain begins. Three years, six months, no Rain, famines, bony fingers, and hungers, gnawing ache. Yes, there's no pretense now. Simply no way to say everything's okay. Everything's just fine. It's obvious it's not the case. And well, that's the way we are in 2022. It's not Pollyanna stuff. We're just believing God's going to show up. Amen. He's going to show up in our times. Elijah finally reappears. After three and a half years, and a summons for everyone to ascend to Mount Carmel, 450 fair-weather prophets of Baal, 400 hedonistic pleasure promisers of Asher. Everybody that dined at the king's table while everyone starved, bring them all. Israel, you come too. And on the menu is one item, a choice, a choice. Each person will be brought to a decision. Bring God's people to Mount Carmel, and they all came. Hungry, they came. Angry, they came. Discouraged, depressed, distressed, they came. The people who were definitely not fine and admitted we're not fine. When they hear Israel's greatest prophetic voice lift his voice and ask, how long will you halt between two of you? God's God, serve him with all your heart. He deserves it. If Baal is God, serve him. But you can't do both. 
Now, you can't do either half hard. The ground rules set, and you remember the ground rules. Each side's going to call on their God. The one that answers by fire is God. And so the prophets of Baal and Asher, they go first. They put on quite a show. I mean, it was quite a show, folks. It was choreographed, it was organized, it was synchronized, and it was worthless. Yeah, nothing happened. It was just a work of the flesh. But at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah steps forward, invites people to draw close, directs their attention to the old altar found there, an altar that 1 Kings 18 says was broken down. And as the shadows grew long, Elijah rebuilt an altar. At evening time, it's always a good time to rebuild an altar. When there's not much time left, rebuild an altar. In a season when the world has no answers, Dee, Debbie, Kirk, Mike, build an altar. We need to restore what's broken down. And during these 21 days, we want to make it a priority. I'm asking God to heal our land. I'm asking God, but what we need are altars all over the United States, all over the world, crying out to God. Restore, rebuild, urgent repair required. I could give you the history of the altars in the Bible. Basically, where man is, there there are altars. Genesis 4, one chapter after the expulsion of the garden, we read that Cain and Abel offered sacrifice. That infers an altar. At the close of that same chapter, we read of Seth, the third son, and his son, Enosh. And we we read in the last verse, then men began to call on the name of the Lord in first and altar. Noah was the first person actually explicitly said to build an altar. It was gratitude after the flood. Abraham built four altars, promise, relationship, no return, and possession, indeed, All of the faithful will build those altars. You see, altars speak. Altars have a voice that they cry out to God. Even though they appear to be mute witnesses, every one of them speak of a promise, a relationship, a commitment, a dying out, a decision. Isaac built an altar in Genesis 26 in the famine. Jacob built an altar in Exodus 33 saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you or in Genesis 33. Exodus 17, Moses built an altar saying, God, you protected us. Then the brazen altar, tabernacle, gets even bigger in the temple. Joshua built an altar crossing Jordan. Gideon built an altar after receiving the call of God. Samuel built an altar while judging Israel. David built an altar after his pride, pride, cost 70,000 people there. When you exit the shadows of the Old Testament, enter into the substance of the New Testament. We finally read Hebrews 13, 10. We have an altar. Not physical, not a stack of stones like you see outside me here, but a place of repentance. Simon Peter found that. A place of promise. 120 gather in the upper room and found the promise of the Father. Yes, a place of commitment. Jesus in Gethsemane indicated that. We have an altar. Oh, yes, we do. We have an altar. The substance of our altar, it it bears no resemblance to those exquisite works of art in St. Paul's and Notre Dame and St. Peter's. 
No, the substance of our altars. Just rough, unhewn stones. Stones that couldn't be carved, chiseled, or fitly framed. Because these rough, unhewn stones symbolize God doesn't want a part of us. He wants the rough edges of He doesn't want just us looking the part. He just wants everything we've got. It speaks of consecration. Consecration is a word that means bring full hands and empty them. It's an emptying of self. It's an emptying of titles and position. Anytime you consecrate and dedicate and empty yourself and give yourself entirely to God, body, soul, spirit, past, present, future, successes, regrets, hits and misses, all of you, when you bring it to God, that's entire consecration. That's an altar. That is an altar. That's what it represents to you and me. And that's why it needs to be repaired. Broken down altars. Anna, Jose, hear me carefully. Broken down altars. It's the hidden source of a lot of trouble in our world. I value the work of counselors and therapists and I value the knowledge and skill of economists and sociologists and engineers. But when was the last time you ever heard this from any of them? The problem here is a broken down altar. I believe the problem in our world today, the problem in our families, the problems in our relationships, our churches, our nations, altars are in ruins. Maybe that's the problem in something you're facing right now. Is the Holy Ghost talking to you? Holy Ghost speaking to me right now. Altars. Altar. Yes, they do. They alter. Since an altar represents entire consecration, life change happens at an altar. A trip to the altar will modify behavior. We are living sacrifices to be placed wholly, completely on an altar. Yes. If you restore the altar, it will restore you. It will alter your health, improve your health, your marriage, your emotional state. What's the Holy Ghost telling you? The Spirit is speaking expressly in the latter days. And the Spirit's speaking to us today. It's urgent. An altar needs to be repaired. Now, Elijah, how he went about it. Elijah repaired the altar that was broken down, implying that there had been much sacrifice. There had been an altar there in the past. And maybe I'm talking to somebody right The Bible says he took 12 large stones, one for each son of Jacob. And I I just sort of love this, and I I love how this flows. He he took, there were 12 stones there. The broken down altar had 12 stones. He rearranged them. He set them, declared them, named them. (laughs) Judah. Well, Judah's first. Judah, here is your stone. Your name means I will praise the Lord. When you consecrate yourself to God, don't you know you get your praise back? You get your joy back. You get it back. Yeah. Reuben, this stone represents your name. See a son. My posterity, my future, my legacy is assured at the altar. Here's the third stone, Gad. Your name means good fortune. Asher, your name means happiness. You've never been so happy as when the altar is rebuilt. 
built. You see, each stone is a mute witness. Each stone represents a prayer. It's the voice of man crying out to God, calling on the name of the Lord. The fifth stone, Naphtali, means struggle at the altar. I comprehend. I see the purpose. I go into the sanctuary and I understand. Six is Manasseh, which means you have made me forget. Oh, my. Do you know that there's a form of amnesia or anesthesia that comes when you put your life at the altar? When you cry out to God, the pain goes away. Seven, Simeon, one who hears and obey. That's why I'm rebuilding this. Eight is Levi, attached or joined. Through this altar, I'm connected to God. Issachar, nine is reward. The altar is its own reward. Ten is Zebulun honor. Eleven is Joseph. Joseph, addition. My subtraction, my emptying of myself brings God's addition into my life. And then finally, twelve, Benjamin, the son of right hand. Power. Power. I get my power back at the altar. Elijah rebuilt the altar. He said, gather around, children of Israel. Your tribe, your tribe is represented in one of these stones. You've got a part to play. The source of your abundance is in this altar. Consecrate yourself. Choose this day who you will serve. An altar in your life, it's going to show up. Your actions, your conversations, your dress, your spirit, your devotion. I reminded the words of the old evangelist Billy Sunday. He said, one can no more be a worldly Christian than the devil can be a heavenly devil. Yeah. You see, that altar, that emptying of ourselves, that that consecration reminds us. I got to put away lying. I got to put away bitterness. Got to put away malice and hatred. Got to put away unforgiveness. I can't drag into 2022 all the stuff I drug through last year. Can I get a witness to that? Gabrielle, can I get a witness to that? I'm not going to destroy my body, my testimony. I won't dwell on those things that are offensive to the Lord. I will be faithful in my worship, clean in my thought life, devoted in my prayer life, lost in his word, committed to reaching and training the laws. Yes, maybe this is where we are today. Maybe this is where you are now. An altar's broken down. Now, others have told you, others have diagnosed and others have prescribed, but maybe Dr. Elijah just needs to say, we got a problem here. We've got a broken down altar and urgence. It's got to be. We lead busy lives. We worship productivity and pleasure. We halt between two opinions and altars and ruins. And coming through the craziness of this season, folks, I'm going to tell you, you, you just you can't make it. I don't want to put you on a guilt trip. You're just not going to make it without a prayer life. The heavens will be brass. Maybe our problems are less complex than we imagine. Maybe it's something so very simple, Larry. Edith, Jenny, maybe we just need to repair the altar. Maybe it's urgent that we repair an altar. Have you an altar? Not not a physical altar like, like this one to my side. But do you have a time and a season to get along with God? Do you have a place to lay your all on the altar? If you don't, then... I'm not prophesying judgment. I'm just saying that the absence or the neglect of an altar will take its toll on you, on your family, and deprive you of the richness of life in your God-ordained future. The altar is the place 
where you lift your voice. Do you remember what happened there? After Elijah put the 12 stones in place for the 12 sons of Jacob. Each one, each one was a prayer. Each stone was a voice. If the rocks could cry out, they were praising and crying out to God. And Elijah stepped back and lifted his hands. A 63-word prayer. He gave voice at a repaired altar. And what? 850 voices screaming for hours and hours and hours could not do. A 63-word prayer did. Your prayers don't need to be long, but they need to be heartfelt, and they need to be offered with entire consecration, and it'll get through. Oh, yes, it will. I'm not making any secret. I'm praying in these 21 days that just as God raised an east wind and blew the pestilence out of Egypt, I'm just praying that God is going to blow through this country. And this thing that we've been fighting for going on two years will be, will be removed, will be subjugated, will bow its head and bend its knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm believing prodigals to come home, the backslidden to awaken. I'm believing churches that have been hit hard during this time, that they will be back on fire and restored for God, that pastors and ministers will be renewed and refreshed, that the leaders, the ministry leaders and volunteers and local churches will be on fire for God and will see great things happen. And I believe it's going to happen, not just because of my voice, but because many of you, hundreds of you, are lifting your voice and saying, let's rally together. Let's see altars repaired and restored. Let's see the heavens opened again. Let's see the fire fall in our presence. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this. I do ask, I do ask if, if it means something to you and if it's done something for you during this time, spread the word. Let's get the word out. They can join in. They can join in. It's not too late to join in our 21 days. And I just believe God is going to use our collective voices before the throne. He's going to respond to our prayers. And he's going to move in a great, great way. This is the day the Lord has made. Go rejoice and be glad in it. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow, God willing, 7 a.m. Central. Go in the love of the Lord. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.